Football is a game of aesthetics. It's all about what does it look like? Football is a game of tradition. The man who wins the penalty can't take it. <laughs> Football is a game of passion. Oh, bollocks, Villa have scored. And that is why we love it. Fuck me, why is this stupid game back? I think that was a real low point for me in my life. It's time to turn the volume down. Goals scored by new signings are the only ones that count. Penalties don't count, and Mamoru Saku having an absolute howler. That doesn't count either. The worst 90 minutes of football in Premier League history. He's oh, a fraud. Sedan's a fraud. Everyone's favourite statistical fraud. Brendan Rodgers. All about the aesthetics, that's what Absolutely. I like to see. That is just a bit of stat padding. Individual sport masquerading as a team game. Look at his Instagram, he's the ultimate beat of me. BBC Sport decided to advertise their TikTok account. Yuck. Yuck. <laughs> it just doesn't get any better than that. Hello and welcome to Under the Floodlights this week on the show. Everton win at Anfield for the first time this century. West Ham move up into fourth and have started choreographing dance routine celebrations. The good news is Man City will bring them back down to earth next week. Thomas Tuchel mm-hmm. asserts his alphahood at Chelsea by subbing Callum Hudson-Odoi on and off again in the same half. The Premier League's got some new balls. Could Spurs actually finish below Arsenal? Will Sheffield United break the earliest relegation record and why does this great league have the worst referees on planet earth my name is darren scott i'm joined with billy hutchison christopher england boys hello to the both of you uh it's good to be good to be back good to be back if you say so oh, he, yeah chris is gonna have one of his chippy weeks isn't he yeah i think um, for... i mean let i mean let's be honest right you see when see when newcastle beat west ham opening game in the season who who really thought that we when we started this that this is the position we'd be in with about 10 games to go yeah, I'll be honest, Chris. When when the two of you kind of talked about starting up a football podcast last summer, I thought Liverpool have just won the league. There's a good chance they could do it again. Yeah, I could do this. This will be fun. This has this hasn't been fun. This has been terrible. You were you were trying to work out like how how to like deal with smugness throughout a season of yeah. just watching the best football team for a year. Yes, I thought essentially what the I was worst being, of our three. I I thought what I was being asked to do was jump on a call with you two every week. And gloat about how good <laughs> and it has not worked out that way at all. Quite the Welcome opposite. to our level. Quite the opposite. Um, yes. We're not going to start with Liverpool because that's very doom and gloom and really because it's just the same thing from the last four weeks. Like, just listen to last week's and the week before if you want the thoughts on how Liverpool. Uh, we'll start with West Ham Spurs because I think it's um, obviously West Ham are going really well up in the fourth in the league having a really good season and on the flip side of that Spurs I think have lost five of their last six uh, Jose Mourinho had conversations about there being problems in the team that he can't fix um, so just sort of two polar opposites um, but I guess I mean and Jaylings I mean there's a whole raft of things going oh. on in this game I mean Chris what do you think of the, all of those things? Ach, look now I, I don't know. No, I I will fully admit that about three episodes in, I said Spurs would win the league. Um, so happy to hold my hands up um, about about that. Um, that was a West real Hammer, concern for a time. It, it was because they were they were very good, um, but they're not very very bad, very <laughs> bad. But it was uh, okay. You know, I, I've no I've no words anymore. This is the best West Ham team in Premier League history. I mean, Suchek looks like a WWE wrestler with like blood all over his face, gets stitches, plays the rest of the game, makes last stitch tackles. Declan Rice probably tackled the season so far to save a goal from Spurs. Phenomenal. Um, yeah, he, he's, I mean, I would go as far as to say now that he could play for any team in, in world football. Um, he's that good at 22, Declan Rice. Um, the feel so, good, yeah, the feel-good factor is rubbing off yeah. on everyone. 
Chris, like, oh, give us your honest assessment of like that jailing celebration. Because no, I, I, even you I, can't I, be about I, that. No, I loved it. I loved it. For context, sorry. Jesse Lingard scored um, West Ham's second goal right after kickoff. Uh, did a knee slide celebration followed by picking out a cameraman and making sure that he got his photo taken the way he wanted it. <laughs> then it went to VAR. There was a lengthy VAR check. And the VAR decided that no, this goal shall stand. And after they awarded the goal, Jay Lings then got, um, I believe, Suchek, Declan Rice. Uh, Fornells was uh, on guitar. Pablo Fornells to run the like corner for Fornells was involved. And pretend to play like air instruments like they're in a band. <laughs> there was like names started floating about, you know, like the backstreet moise, stuff like that. <laughs> I like that. I like the Fornells was involved. I just don't like that. We got two Lingard celebrations for one goal. Listen, I, I, I love his celebrations. And um, I think the best part about it is the fact that this was like the second one. Like, you know, this is after VAR, yeah. after everything. Like, oh, no, let's, let's do this now. Um, you know, pre-planned <laughs> I mean, after VAR. I remember an Everton team who were dancing and they went on a torrid run after that. <laughs> I think Who they, did were that they were talking about. I don't know. I think it was James Rodriguez de Courage. Remember the start of the season? Oh, it was when yes. they were top of the league. They yeah, scored a goal and went for a dance. And again, it was like yeah. in September. And then they fell from there down to about seventh or eighth uh, yeah. in a pretty quick well, fall. Well, Moisey's claiming West Ham haven't hit top gear yet. I, I, I agree with him. Um, and it, it's, it's, just, it's just quite funny because, like, he said when he came back, he was like, I win. It's what I do. Everyone's like, oh, come on, easy. come on. Well, serious question would be, obviously West Ham are playing really well, and if you're saying that Moise is, you know, proclaiming they haven't hit their best yet, West Ham play Man City next week, where do you realistically, <laughs> like, do you think we could take a couple of points from that? West Ham have scored more set-piece goals than any other team. So it's very, it's not likely, but it's completely feasible that we defend really well nick a corner and win right i mean who knows bearing in mind that you are west ham are pretty much the only team liverpool have beaten on this run that they're on <laughs> no uh that's that, that's <laughs> true um but we you know uh, look it we're we're it's in our, our hands now whether we get champions league football which is a staggering statement to say uh as a west ham fan but it's it, it couldn't be going better well, the reason I bring up that Liverpool beat them is really to start a conversation about do the West Ham players get nervy with the situation that they're in currently? And the reason I say that is West Ham today, we're 2-0 we're up against a Spurs team that aren't playing very well and we're coasting. And as soon as they went 2-0 up, it was almost like panic set in. Lucas Moura scored a corner, which is unforgivable given the height of that guy. Um, it, the, disgrace. There was then uh, Gareth Beale hitting the bar with a volley. There was then sort of a panicky scramble that I think ended up with a ball being kicked off Hyun Min Son's <laughs> knee and lobbing the keeper and hitting the post. And like there was nothing about the last sort of twenty-five minutes, half hour of the game that looked solid from a West Ham team that were 2-0 up. Yeah, no, absolutely. I, I think in the Liverpool match, you know, Antonio either wasn't playing or was that was during his fatigue phase and had, like, Jarmalenko up front. And, like, like there are weaknesses. Like, I mean, could very, very easily lose to City. Uh, but they're, they're not going to win every game. So, you know, let's see what happens. And it is City. Like, that lot are just... 
steamrolling well, teams at the minute. Yeah, how many games is it now? 18? Uh, 18, yeah. Something daft like Something that. ridiculous. Chris, I just want to get in quickly about who, who do you think's West Ham's signing of the season so far? It's got to be Dawson. Well, because that's interesting you say that, because I was reading this week uh, a column by Harry Redknapp where he was talking about signings of the season. Right, of and course Harry he said was. That, and, and Harry agrees with you that Michael Dawson is... Uh, Craig. Craig Dawson, sorry, Michael Dawson. <laughs> Michael Dawson played for uh, Spurs years ago. He was a great, he was a great player. Know, yeah. Gav from Gavin Stace, who's favourite Tottenham player? But he said <laughs> that him... That he is the best signing of the season, followed closely by Kufal, who is then followed closely by Suchek. And I don't know how much football <laughs> Harry's been watching recently, <laughs> because Suchek's been in there a lot longer. <laughs> well, it, yes, obviously it's been being made permanent, but Kufal at five million um, has been phenomenal as well. Cup of yeah. tea. Sp- yes, absolute cup. Of- even better than Johnny Walters. Um, but listen, <laughs> listen, I'll take everyone at Slavia Prague at this rate. Give me any of their players; they'll do a job. What a league! Um, moving on, the the Tottenham, obviously. They're kind of in free fall. They've lost five of their last six, I think, in the Premier League. Jose is looking pretty flustered on the sidelines. Like, I mean, what's their problem? Because as you said, Chris, there was a point this year where, where people were worried that, that this really was Tottenham's year. So how has this all gone drastically wrong? It's like, you know, because they're not playing Ali and Beale for, for, you know, for whatever reason it might be. And, you know, that's obviously going to have an impact on the team. Well, Mm-hmm. And the, the, the fullback situation is not Ali good. Doesn't play. It's not the defenders good. and the race and the fullbacks and you know there's all sorts of things going on. So I I thought today Bale was very good when he came on. Like he de- yeah. changed the entire Spurs dynamic. Dele Alley's a shadow of what he used to be, and it's strange to see it in a Mourinho second season where he normally gets the team together, sorts it out, and puts in a challenge for like like if you think this is. Spurs have had the full Mourinho experience in a couple of months. Like they've been <laughs> top of the league, they're in a cup final, and he's then decided that two of his star players don't want to play for him. He's ostracized them. Like they're getting the full, they're getting the works. The only thing that won't happen is he won't get sacked because he's got Levy by the balls, really, in terms of the financial <laughs> payout that it would cost but, but, to get rid of like- him at this stage. But Bailey, Spurs win, Spurs win League Cup, Spurs win Europa League, and finish seventh. Is that is that a good season? Well, this is the thing that Mourinho's one of these where I I think he'll win the League Cup, and because of that, like he'll put down his entire Tottenham tenure as a massive success. Like he'll claim that this is one of the biggest trophies he's ever achieved, and all. <laughs> like the other year, whenever he claimed like second for Man United, was his greatest accomplishment ever. I think it'll be a similar thing with Tottenham. You mentioned there, Billy, about how typically season two Mourinho gets the best out of the players and that's when he pushes on and usually wins his league title. I mean, there was a point this year where we were all looking at Harry Kane and thinking Jose's <laughs> reinvented this guy and, and Son, the two of them are scoring so many goals. What I find quite interesting is the people that Jose has signed since he's been there haven't really done anything. Like, you think, like, Bergwijn came in, he's not really, you know, scored against City, I think, on his debut, yeah. and you kind of thought, you know, it's a good bit of it. There's been nobody who's come into the side, really, where I think, oh, that person has made, like, a tangible 
difference and give well, I think Hoiberg has a wee bit. Sorry, that's probably a fair point. He's a very yes. Mourinho player, that's, though. Yeah. He's a very Mourinho player. Doherty's like, it's been strange that like he's been a right wing back for Wolves, and you would just naturally assume that someone who plays right wing back will go into a right back slot and be fantastic, and it hasn't worked out that way. Mm. He's a real system player. Yeah, and, and uh, Reguilón is has been okay. Yeah, it's um, been okay. Yeah, um, don't know. Yeah, again, not a permanent signing. Like he's just there yeah. for a year to hopefully get himself back in the sedans, thinking. But, but like, the, well, yeah. But the the problem with them as well is that unlike every other team, possibly with the exception of Liverpool, have um, they don't reinvent the team. They don't get players in that will then replace that. There's no tra- like it's half of them are the same team Pochettino had about five years ago. You know, yeah. it just screams still of we need Kane to go and do a few goals for us. <laughs> and it's like you can talk about tactics, you can talk about whatever you want. At the end of the day, if Harry Kane doesn't go and get a couple, they're probably gonna lose. Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, mm. Pochettino's having the time of his life <laughs> watching Mbappe week in week out. Just ended the Barcelona era. <laughs> well, I mean, that result was never in doubt, let's be honest. Um, <laughs> never in doubt. Yeah. Yeah, you put Mbappe up against those boys. There's only one icon, oh. isn't there? Anyway, um, leading on to from one team in Tottenham that are um, terrible to another team in Liverpool who are terrible. Uh, Liverpool <laughs> lost 2 0 to Everton. Um, that is Everton's first win at Anfield in the 21st century. It's probably the last of any ongoing streaks or records that this Liverpool team haven't shit all over in the last month and a half. Um, (laughs) (laughs) He's broken. He's beat. Yeah. Yeah. Thoughts on that game? Uh, Your man Kabak had it in for him again. Had it in for him again. Why is it his fault? Why is it his fault? (laughs) Where's Firmino? Where's Mane? Just step up the rest of them. Give me a bit of Kabak is the problem. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. The guy's played a couple of games. He hasn't had that much to do. His body position... One thing... This is the only thing I can say about him, right? He doesn't look overly quick. No, he's not That's quick. the only Nothing, thing. Nothing, just say. faster. It's like, yeah, there's been a few times... You'd look at the Richarlison goal a couple of minutes in. His body position's probably not great, but it comes yeah. from Thiago giving the ball away in his own half. <laughs> like, I mean, there's, you could be the best defender in the world if you're getting sold out time and time again. There's only so much that you can do. Um, and then from that point, Everton kind of sat back and Liverpool had loads of the ball, I think close to 70% possession, and they passed it around really nicely and created very little. Yeah, just a real park the bus performance from Carlo's lot, like five at the back, three huge fellas defending <laughs> the area, like just big lads, and then Coleman and Dina just like yeah. looking after the wingers and stuff. Like, it wasn't a great game. Like, no. this was not... Not There's a lot of games that aren't very exactly... good games at the moment. Yeah, oh, 100%. You know. But they grinded out in a way that like Sky made such a big deal out of it and a lot of the Everton ones did as well because it was the first time in a while where they, they acted as though it was like a trophy. So it's like know. Duncan Ferguson. I don't know if you've seen the video from like, the changing <laughs> well, rooms. Well, of course, big dunks involved. The... Yeah, but the way that lot celebrated was unacceptable. And we said it a bunch <laughs> of weeks ago whenever... Uh, they got the result at United about the way some of them celebrated. And then you look at Carlo Ancelotti, who's achieved more in the game than any of that lot. And Carlo's just kind of <laughs> stood there drinking a cup of tea. And that lot are getting on as though they've won the World Cup. Yeah. Like, 
no one person should be bigger than a football club, but Carlo Ancelotti <laughs> is bigger than Everton. I'm sorry. You know, I think to be fair to Everton, obviously that is... I mean, we call them derbies nowadays. I mean, there was probably, what, two Scousers in the pitch? <laughs> Coleman's like an adopted one, isn't he? Yeah. Well, um, but, but it probably did mean a huge amount to this Everton team as it's another kind of hurdle that they want to get over. It's like England, when they won that World Cup shootout, and the last one, it's like, here's a mental hurdle that we've not yet got past it. And now we have got past it. I think, you know, the sad fact about where Liverpool are right now is you want to play them. They're, um, you want to go downfield and play them because they're so gettable at the moment. Um, obviously, now Jordan Henderson has gotten injured and they're still awaiting the extent of that. But they believe that to be um, a bit of time out because it's his, his groin and his hamstring that they're doing scans on. So that now means Liverpool are going to be without Verge, Gomez, Fabinho and Henderson, which is your two best centre-backs, your two best midfielders. That's the spine of your team, Dust. Um, so I think it'll be a really interesting to see what uh, Liverpool do going forward because yeah. they don't have the team currently with people being out injured and players who are playing underperforming, i.e. the front three. Um they don't have the team to compete for top four, so it's like, do they just scale it back and have a go at the Champions League? But again, they can't win that. Well, well, Billy, I mean, this is it, Billy, right? I mean, we we'll have people calling into talk sports saying, "Oh, Klopp should be sacked," you know, this this type of stuff <laughs> uh, <laughs> in the drive, you know, the phone-ins. Uh, but you know what's going to happen, Billy? You know, they're going to go out of the Champions League in like quarterfinal, maybe close semi-final. Mm. They'll finish like eighth. Won't be in Europe next year, and they'll win the league. You know, that's, you know what's going to happen. Like, and, and that, that's the thing. Liverpool have to start thinking about soon. If a couple more results go against them, at what point do Liverpool start tanking to avoid Europa League football? Because, <laughs> as we've seen this season, the best thing for Liverpool is to avoid Europa. Like, if they're not going to get Champions League, is to avoid Europa League. Because as we've seen this season, the, the squad has gone thin at times. The last thing this squad needs. Especially in the summer, if a few players like Wijnaldum go, it's Thursday night football playing like 50 games in that competition for no reason. <laughs> Whereas if Liverpool decide, like, consciously decide to tank towards the end of the season to come eighth or ninth and miss out on it, then yeah, next season's just a walk in the park because you're playing one game a week. Everyone can rest, everyone, you can take the Monday off. So you can before <laughs> the next weekend. You can have a fun time of it. We've seen plenty. Like Antonio Conte's Chelsea team did this, where they all seem to have a good laugh because they're only playing once every seven days. Football becomes easy. I think it's a weird one. Obviously, I think it's very easy for us to sit here and say that. And, you know, from a fan's perspective, I mean, I would love to not have to waste my Thursday nights next year. Um, <laughs> but I suppose, and there will be people out there who will be shouting at us right now you know that obviously the higher up the table you finish the more prize money you win obviously if you get into the Europa League or the Champions League you get money for mm. that you attract players if you're playing in the Champions League that if you're not playing in any European competition how does that affect your transfers in and out like all those things you do have to factor in players leaving if you're not in Europe and stuff but um yeah I mean from a fan's perspective I would love to not have to watch Thursdays and yeah I mean, just for a bit of levity, Darren, for, for your sake, I mean, I will just remind the listeners who may not be aware that the last time West Ham were in Europe uh, was um, 2015 and 2016, where two seasons in a row, 
we failed to qualify for the group stage of the Europa League <laughs> because we went out to the same Romanian team, Astra Guriju, in the qualifying <laughs> rounds. So um, there we are. Yeah. One thing I did want to talk about, and it, it's semi-related to Liverpool. Um, Liverpool. We don't make a, too much of a fuss about talking about Champions League games. Um, but Liverpool obviously played Leipzig on, on Tuesday night there, just past, uh, um, 1-2-0. Um, and I won't go into anything about the game, but all I'd heard for probably the last couple of years <laughs> is how this Upamecano fella is the next greatest thing at centre-back. He's got everything. He's strong. He can pass. He can do it all. He was not only the worst player on the pitch, he would not make it into a single Premier League defence. John, John Egan, that, better than Honestly, awful. And it got me thinking about the Bundesliga and how many players have come from that league recently who just haven't cut it in the Premier League at all. And it got me thinking, like, genuinely, who was the last person to come from the Bundesliga to hit the, the ground running in, in England? So, you know, obviously we know Timo Werner has arrived. He's not exactly been very good. Thiago came from Bayern Munich, Champions League winner with Bayern Munich. Can't do it at Liverpool. Naby Keita, I don't know who they sold us for 50 million, but <laughs> Naby's not been good. I'm convinced this Upamecano fella just, I mean, Bayern have wasted cash on him. Uh, yeah, I mean, I mean, the list goes on, Darren. You've got Mkhitaryan, you've got Xhaka, um, you have, um, I mean, Aubameyang's probably, you know, he's the one possible exception although he's seriously dropped off um Shirley, uh, he was okay um, was quite, um there will be people as well sorry if anyone wants to bring up the de bruyne point which is a valid point to bring up i would point out to them that he came to england couldn't do it went away and came back so he knew what he was getting himself into when he came back of course of course you honestly um, here might have to go as far back as like michael balak <laughs> yeah, like a, ballad. a different uh, decade. Like I think Premier League teams need to stop recruiting from this league because it's overpriced. It's, it's overpriced, and the players aren't doing it. Per- percentage wise, it's not there now. In to spin it a bit, if you're like a young Premier League player, maybe not getting into your side, maybe an academy player, the Bundesliga is the perfect place to go. Clearly, because you can go there, develop your talent. It's a technically good league. And then you can build up your hype, get your big transfer fee, then back to your English club who initially got rid of you. Like if Sancho's gone and done that. Well, Sancho worries me. I worry that well, this guy, if he comes back, he can't do it. Well, so, like, percentage-wise, it's terrible. Like I, the only one I can really think of probably is Leroy Sané. Yeah, Le- yeah, Leroy was good. Actually. But again, Leroy came was fantastic, but wanted out. Didn't want to be here. Didn't want to get. Well, I suppose that you can argue pitch. that's a club issue or whatever. Emre Chan was another one, came, yeah. left pretty quickly. Yeah, Portugal. Portugal's the place to go. For Absolutely. Or, or Slavia Prague. Or, or the, the Czech <laughs> Pro League. Absolutely. <laughs> so just thought it was interesting if anyone um, knows of any uh, players who have Havertz. come from the Bundesliga and uh, actually done it, please actually let us know because we'd be Instagram interested Instagram influencer Kai Havertz there. Um Anyway, uh, we've covered West Ham, we've covered Liverpool. It's probably only fair now just to move on to the Chelsea Football Club. Uh, drew 1-1 with Southampton this week and Mason Mount penalty, um, equalising after Takumi Minamino uh, scored again for Southampton. Um, yeah, uh, good good finish, good little player. It was, it was a great finish. Good yeah. little player. Good um, little player, yeah. Good little player. Um, <laughs> 
uh, I mean, where are Chelsea currently? Two cows come in. Ugh. They did pretty, I think, what did he win his first five or six? They were going pretty well. He's still not been beaten, which is strange. I, I, I've seen a lot of the guy, and whenever he talks, when he speaks as a Chelsea fan, he seems to be like one of these like substitute teachers that seems to try and be too cool with the pupils. <laughs> and he's just trying to be everyone's mate. He's seen Frank go, and Frank was close to a lot of the players, especially the best players in Mason Mountain and stuff. And I think he's just tried to come in. He's just tried to be too nice with everyone. But I, I've liked the way he's spoken because as a fan, he's he's tried to win me back because I hated this club four or five weeks ago. But the way he speaks, the way he talks about like Billy Gilmore and stuff, I'm all about him. But then he goes and does what he did on Saturday where he brings on Callum Hudson-Odoi, who has arguably been in Chelsea's top three players since Tuchel took over. And then he sees him have one lapse where uh, I think Alonso was passing the ball to him and the ball just went bam. Callum wasn't switched on at all and decided then, I'm going to make a statement and take that young man off. <laughs> wasn't oh. about that at all. I was fuming with that decision. Well, it's the fact as well that he subbed off hudson Adoy, despite the fact that Timo Werner was on the pitch for 90 minutes and genuinely offered absolutely nothing to the Chelsea team. I was texting <laughs> Bailey during this. Zero shots on target. For the first 20 minutes, don't think he completed a pass to a Chelsea player. Awful. And still 70 minutes in, I think it was you, Chelsea were 1-0 down at the time. Mm-hmm. Still he was like, oh, no, I'm going to leave Timo out there. He's, he's the manager's son. It was strange to bring off Callum, I thought, as well, because I think you, you look at the player he brought on, first of all, for Callum in Hakeem Ziyech. He was playing against the team. Some of the <laughs> stuff he was doing on Saturday. Like, it was atrocious, the effort I saw from him. You could have subbed him back off. I'll throw Reese James on their bus. I didn't think Reese James was good. And Reese James is one of my players, and I don't like to do that to him. <laughs> Number three was terrible. Another one of my players, Kurt Zuma. Kurt didn't, especially for the goal. Kurt, Kurt didn't for the cover goal himself in glory. For context there, um, I believe Nathan Redmond played a pass uh, through from Minamino, and the ball and Minamino were going past Kurt Zuma's right-hand side and Kurt decided for whatever reason to turn his body to the left making the gap even wider just to allow Takumi as much time as he wanted running through and goal. Honestly, he was playing against us there. There's a few play- and this is the thing about Tuchel he's come in, he's tried to make certain players happy who weren't playing under Frank but the issue he's going to find is there's a reason those players were unhappy under Frank. It's because they weren't playing but there was good reason for them not playing. A certain player who was unhappy under Frank in number two, up until Minamino's goal, the only goal Chelsea conceded under Tuchel was an own goal by number two. So it's a weird... I I like Tuchel. I like the way he manages because I think the club did just need a lift and he does seem tactically to be on it. Like Chelsea's possession's fantastic. There's just... The 11 men on the pitch are just letting him down. And he's, he's found instantly who's, who you can actually rely on. And that's Mason. The only player this season for Chelsea who can come away with his head held somewhat high. Oh, Giroud as well, I think. Nah. I don't know. Nah, Giroud's had one performance that he's been riding along. He's been coasting since that 4-0, or that 4-goal experience against Sevilla. Um, a bit of news from the Premier League this week that, that surprised me. Um, we have a new nope. football. It's a very odd time to bring strange. it in. 
So why? Well, this is what I I actually spoke to Bailey about this. I was surprised to learn that you could change the ball halfway through the season. I thought, what for consistency purposes, you would have to play with the same ball all year. I get that in the winter it becomes yellow so that it's easier to see. Um, But we're now back into the non-winter ball, which is white. Um, And it's it's a new ball. It's got little cutouts from it. And um, Christopher, if you want to purchase one, you can Mm -hmm. uh, buy it from a a sports retailer that I'll not name because no free promo for £124.95. No, that's that's going to require a big breakdown as to how that price has come to be. <laughs> well, if it makes you feel any better, if you go on to the unnamed sports brand's website, there is one review on this football, and it says, Excellent. true flight in every aspect, double exclamation <laughs> point. The unnamed sports brand, Flightball, is a great product, and my teams are amazed at how true the ball feels when playing a game with it. We've used the ball for a week now, and we prefer it over the previous version of the unnamed sports brand Merlin Ball. Initially, the ball looked and felt a little small compared to other balls, but after a few sessions with it, no problem. The feel of the ball in your feet is wonderfully soft and responsive. When kicking the ball, you don't get any funny or weird rotation or flight. As advertised, the ball provides extreme accuracy travelling through the air. The teams are happy with the new ball and look forward to purchasing more. Is that this... is definitely someone from the Premier League. <laughs> yeah, I, I was going to say, that's a, yeah, that's a Scooter Moore burner account right there. <laughs> to say that, like, the ball's a funny thing. If Remember, like, a lot of years back, I think there was a World Cup. Where, like, I, I was going to mention the ball this. Was, yeah. The ball was too Jabalani. <laughs> South Africa, yeah. <laughs> we're, like, we're, Bailey, we, we have never talked about the football since the 2010 <laughs> World Cup. Like, we just never talk about the football. It's one of those things that you shouldn't have to talk about. I mean, the, the unnamed sports brand who, who make this ball have claimed that they have, it's taken eight years and 1,700 hours of testing. The Premier League what? flight football is a revelation of consistent flight. Molded grooves and 3D printed ink reduce unexpected movement and fine-tune flight through the air, helping players put the ball exactly where they want it. Like, for me, can it just be round? Like, I don't care. And, and, like, I don't care. Yeah. And as well, Darren, I mean, they could have fit the 1,000 hours into a lot shorter time than 10 years. <laughs> you know, I don't know. Like, what were they doing yeah, the whole time? There's, there's a bit of a side income to be had here. If you look at the price of those Premier League footballs, if you're a ball boy at any football club, <laughs> start nicking a few. You yeah, know, it's probably not a bad shot. You'll corner the market. Yeah, for 125 quid, you can undercut Nike here. <laughs> Like if you uh, unnamed sports brand, unnamed sports brand. <laughs> yeah, because it's unnamed. That's what it says on the ball itself, doesn't it? <laughs> no, no free promo on this podcast. But like, if you could turn around, like on Facebook Marketplace, and say, "Here, I've got a, an official Premier League football. It's going for 125 quid. I'll do it for 40." You scrub out the name and you start your own Etsy. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so that was that was um, that was something new and. I mean, can we say noteworthy that happened this week? Um, Absolutely noteworthy. Yeah, back to the football. Um, <laughs> <laughs> the um, 
the teams down the bottom, it, it was a pretty big weekend for them. Uh, West Brom Burnley drew nil nil in. I think if you polled every person on earth and asked them <laughs> what result do you think Burnley West Brom will be, I imagine about ninety percent of the earth's population said probably yeah nil nil. Um, and Sheffield United lost one nil to Fulham, which now makes it quite interesting. Um, sort of for that eighteenth spot now, Fulham are quite close to Newcastle and Brighton. It now does look like West Brom and Sheffield United are, are too far away and. And Chris Wilder <laughs> yeah. admitted this himself. He was uh, complaining about referees, which is something we'll go on to talk about later on. But um, he he did have a quote that I found quite funny when he said, it's okay, though, the Premier League won't have to worry about us anymore. There'll be a new team coming up from the league below and they can get the <laughs> terrible decisions. <laughs> That's what you want to yeah, hear from your Chris, manager at this yeah. stage of the season, isn't it? What, would you prefer him to lie? Would you want him to sit and say, we can get out of this? We're no, like, on- no, like... We're sitting on currently 11 points from 25 games. We are 14 points from safety. Do yeah? Do you want them to say we can do it? Like nobody believes that. L- listen, Chris Wilder can say whatever he wants. That he he. If you actually look at the records, he has one of the best win percentages of any manager in English football history. Like he can say whatever he wants. Like he took that club from six years in League One to the Premier League. That they, they they have no excuse about it. Like you know, well that win percentage has taken a beating this That's year, isn't it? This year. <laughs> <laughs> but, no, but what, what, one thing I find hilarious about um, that, you know, like we'll we have to say, lads, right? What are Burnley's attacking coaches doing? You know, like they're four points off Leeds, right? Leeds have scored forty goals this season. Burnley have scored eighteen goals. <laughs> that is an as less than half of the goals that Leeds have scored. Like. Well, it's interesting that 18 goals have got them seven wins and seven draws. Yeah. Ashley just... Barnes, he's just busy being a shite bag, so like, <laughs> you can't coach him. I don't know. I, I did love how big Sam was like, you know, that, that was the best, that was the best 10-man performance I've seen in football history or, or something along those lines. Yeah, and that segues quite nicely into sort of a conversation about there were a few refereeing decisions this weekend that probably do need to be discussed. Um, the first one was in the West Brom Burnley game. Uh, there was a moment where uh, Ajayi, the centre-back, was um, last man back. Uh, a ball was kicked forward and I think Vidra from um, Burnley. It was probably about 40 yards from uh, the West Bromwich Albion goal. And Ajayi just misjudges the flight of the ball and misses it with his leg. And therefore, in that, he has that sort of split second to decide what he's going to do. And he decides, yeah, I need to handball this. See him kind of think about it and go, I either let this go when he scores or I handball it. And, you know, probably take the red card. Yeah. Um, Mike Dean was the referee that for that game. So as soon as that ball's hit his hand, I mean, he was never getting away with it. Well, Mike probably wanted a quiet weekend after what yeah, he's gone through recently. Yeah, and yeah. it's one of those, at least it was a stonewaller. <laughs> at least this wasn't like an orange card, as mm. some people would call it. At least he knew, <laughs> okay, I'm not going to take it. I'm not going to take a beating over this one here. Yeah. And there were no theatrics from Mike, to be fair. It was a very sort of, I guess you would Calm say, textbook, you know, card out of the pocket, off you go, show no emotion, that sort of thing. Yeah. Um, which was good. What he needed was a 
was a game of this level. One that did have more controversy was in the um, Sheffield United Fulham game, pretty late in the game. Um, Sheffield United pushing for an equaliser. Uh, a ball was crossed into the box, and the Fulham goalkeeper comes out to take out um, the Bo- right wing Bo- back. Bogle um, from Sheffield United who who was going in on goal um, now I think actually a free kick was given for Fulham uh, what? It, Fulham received a free kick because the goalkeeper collided with Bogle and I mean it was a horrible challenge from the goalkeeper it was very reminiscent of the Pickford challenge on Van Dijk it's never um, the keeper's fault and that's the, that's the thing they seem to think okay he's gotten away yes keepers can all of a sudden go in however they want and receive a free kick as well um, <laughs> I think Chris Wilder talked about how Bogle was lucky to be able to get on the bus after the game because it was a potentially leg breaking challenge uh, and, and I think Graham Sunez as well also said afterwards that you know that's a stonewall red card the referees are making it up as they go along how are they getting hmm. this wrong uh, listen Phil up, <laughs> Newcastle are down and if that happens um, where does Parker rank in manager of the season chat well, he doesn't. He can't win it. You can't win it. But if you nearly got relegated but didn't, that shouldn't qualify yeah, you, you for. If you're winning right, twelve well for half a season, like you shouldn't get it. Don't get me wrong. We're not saying he's doing a bad job. It's just you can't win manager of the year for that. No, yeah, I, 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 half a job. St- still, he still got like. Could you imagine the speech? How long he would go on? <laughs> <laughs> like be he goes through everyone easily. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um. Oh, here, what did you guys think of the um, the penalty awarded in the Liverpool game? Never. That was a shocker of a decision. <laughs> so it was. Like, f- first time watching it, I, I, like, from the wide angle, I was like, oh, penalty, give them it. Just yeah, so I thought it was a penalty in real time as well. And then you see the replay where, like, it just stumbles over Trent. Yeah, like so it... Trent, for context, um, Trent Alexander-Arnold is on the ground having tried to block the ball and Calvert-Lewin uh, kicks him in the back of the head or the back of the shoulder <laughs> and goes over um, and the referee gave a penalty and VAR I think said to him was it Chris Kavanagh? I believe so uh, Chris Kavanagh yeah. um, VAR said to him Chris you know we think you might have got this one wrong fellow why don't you have a go and, go and have a look at it there at the screen and Chris went over and I mean half a second a second at the screen like and just went yeah I'm fine with it give it <laughs> <laughs> uh, he, he watched the wide angle where it like, looks somewhat like a penalty where you need to go in and watch what actually happened to see this is never a penalty yeah. I mean it's, it's it's staggering the Premier best League, league in the world the Premier League referees <laughs> are a disgrace Could, do, do you reckon do you reckon we do you reckon we could go for it like why, why not you know what's stopping us from going through it I, I mean I, I like me personally I get drunk on par <laughs> yeah yeah I, I couldn't so have my allegiances in the no. Premier League like right. I, I would be too I would be too emotional I'd base it off the player and obviously because I would I'd have to declare my allegiance so I wouldn't be allowed yes. to do Merseyside games which is fair enough but even at that there's like players I just don't like the look of and um, <laughs> Bailey and I were chatting about this earlier Sadio Mane received a yellow card um, during the uh, Everton Liverpool game for, for kind of shouting at the referee as everybody else does but the big difference, and Bailey pointed this out, was you know the intensity of the look. It's a real glare. It's very aggressive looking. So it it looks like it's not even so much what you say to the referee. It's just the ref says, "Oh, I don't like the way that guy yeah. looked at me," and that's the it's way I'd did. referee games. Yeah, it's, it's how quickly you walk towards the referee. I think, and kind of the way your shoulders go, yeah. and just the scowl on your face. Like 
You just need to go in a bit more relaxed. Like, and go to Lucante, we'll get away with murder. Just because he's smiling at a referee. Whereas Manny went in looking like he was going to take the ref down. Yeah. (laughs) Don't like the way he looked at me, yellow card. Um, (laughs) Was there not as well, wasn't there a game after restart where the the goal line technology, like someone forgot to switch it First game. First game, uh, Darren. (laughs) How many millions of pounds is this league worth? Billions, potentially. And somebody doesn't turn on the goal line technology. (laughs) (laughs) Honestly, heads need to roll at Stockley Park. Uh, Absolutely. You need like a it's young, a cult. yeah. You need like a young cohort of like young referees coming through. Now. Like we need to do like the voice or X Factor or something, but four <laughs> referees coming through just to get new young ones out there. What, what, what do you think of me going for it? I'd um, love to see it. I'd love. I mean, I'd love to see it personally. I, I reckon I could do it. I don't know. I'm not sure how long it lasts. Well. <laughs> There'd be a lot of names associated with me, I think. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm not sure how many like players would remain on the pitch in games of the I think that segues quite nicely uh, into In the Mud this week, Billy, am I right? Oh, absolutely. So we're going to talk more about referees. So during the week there, you may have seen referee Darren Drysdale lock heads with Ipswich midfielder Alan Judge in an extraordinary, extraordinary exchange during their goalless League One draw with Northampton. The official moved his head towards the player late in the game and then briefly appeared to square up to the 32-year-old before being ushered away by Northampton's Lloyd Jones. <laughs> protested after being penalised for simulation, was then shown a yellow card, the fifth booking of the match. The FA were then contacted and are aware of the incident. Uh, Ipswich are now managed by Paul Lambert, formerly of the Premier League at one stage. Yeah, yeah. And he he asked the AFL to investigate the confrontation. He said after the game, I've texted Mike Jones, who's the head of referees, this morning to say, have a look at the footage of the head thing. It looks as if the referee went in there. And I said to him after the game, did you put your head in my player? He couldn't answer it. And that's the reason why I spoke to Mike. I haven't seen that in a long, long while. Ex-West Brom defender Garth McCauley wrote in his newspaper column today, referee Darren Drysdale will be given a lot more respect the next time he takes charge of a match. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, just just back up. Just just back up there, Bailey. Where's Gareth McCauley's newspaper column? (laughs) He's in the Belfast Telegraph. (laughs) (laughs) I love the thought that Gareth wants referees to, like, rule by fear. (laughs) <laughs> so, yeah, he doesn't want these showmen he just wants referees <laughs> like after the game waiting in the car park for a few boys <laughs> ready to throw a few jabs but anyway so I thought after this you know this referee's got himself in a bit of trouble I wanted to look at other referees who have landed themselves in a bit of hot water and I thought to start let's go up to Scotland because you can always rely on that lot to produce a bit of content and in 2010, head of refereeing development Hugh Dallas was sacked by the Scottish Football Association after being accused of sending a tasteless email. It was sent from his official Scottish Football uh, Association account, contained no text, but included an image attachment of a school crossing sign. I'm trying to decide if that can make it in. Well, I wrote that down going, there's no way this is making the edit. Next story as well. I'm not sure if the next one's going to make the edit either. So the next maybe one just is... maybe just intro the next one as if the previous one didn't make the edit and try and make it fit with the bit before. Yeah, let's do that. Let's do that. 
So anyway, another referee who's got himself in a bit of hot water, or, well, did, was Bobby Mabley. That won't make it either. <laughs> Any others? To someone who should have been sacked, Mark Clattenburg. Now, Clattenburg ah. has a lot of instants on his resume. Uh, Starting dear. off with December 2009, it is alleged in a match between Bolton and Man City that Clattenburg asked the Man City bench... How do you work with Craig Bellamy all week? He then sent off Bellamy for two yellows in the game. <laughs> Which again goes to like our thing earlier of just like being drunk on part, not liking a specific player. Don't like the way he looked at me. Uh, and to go to December 2013. Now this was a weird one. Southampton made a complaint about the official saying that he insulted Captain Adam Lalana. The Saints claimed that Clattenburg had said to him, you're very different now since you've played for England. You never used to be like this. No further action was taken at the time. They can do what they want. Exactly. It doesn't like matter they, if they you're an player or not. They can genuinely get away with whatever they want. <laughs> and then the all-time moment from Clattenburg was whenever he was punished for breaching regulations by travelling alone to officiate West Brom versus Palace as well as for speaking on the phone to Palace manager Neil Warnock from his car after the match. Clattenburg said of the incident, the referees had a gentleman's agreement to travel separately to the game, which they shouldn't do. After the match, I left to go to an Ed Sheeran gig. The problem was, Palace manager Neil Warnock came looking for us half an hour afterwards. Shock. I, I think I'd left after 25 minutes thinking he'd not bother me, but he did. He called us on uh, my way back up home, up to Newcastle, on the way to the concert, and he wanted to have a word with us. I had to report myself for taking a phone call from the manager, as all officials must be present during a conversation with the manager. So I ended up getting a one-match ban. But was it worth it for going to see Ed Sheeran? Absolutely. And actually, my garden the following week looked absolutely immaculate because I spent all week there, as I wasn't allowed to do anything for the Premier League. <sighs> He got a week what off. A That's what you're <laughs> Just... You can sound like it's a one-match bat. You got a week off. This is the type of characters we're talking about in the refereeing world. So, Chris, if you want to get involved in that, work away. You yeah. got to change it. You got to change the system. Ground up. <laughs> drain the swamp. Get involved. Yeah, drain, drain the swamp. Drain the swamp. <laughs> <laughs> Make refereeing great again. <laughs> yeah. Um. I think that pretty much does us for today, boys. I was going to go into a bit there on amateur league referees and and how um, you know some of the interesting decisions that I've seen in my time. But I, I, the mafia down there, yeah, I think we'll perhaps <laughs> we, we'll perhaps leave some of those stories for uh, for another day. But actually, that would be quite good if anyone out there is listening has got any. We asked for manager stories a few weeks ago. If anyone has any. Um, funny refereeing tales from any sort of time in amateur sport uh, please send them in and then I can add some of mine from the plan days on top that might be good for a future episode um, but um, I think that's pretty much us boys um, Bailey what I can say for you and me is that we're another week closer to it all being over can't wait get me to the international break first so I don't have to watch football for two weeks and finish this season that would be lovely Christopher can't wait. I, I I'm I'm saying nothing. I'm saying nothing. <laughs> Wonderful. Yeah, Boys. no ring and bump. <laughs> Thank you very much for your time as always, and we will see you next week. <laughs>